Hey guys, this is Chelsea Eithoven and you're listening to Vibrancy Radio. I spent the better part of two decades in pursuit of shrinking my body, but diet after diet, I still never felt enough. And I don't know about you, but the last word I would use to describe myself while on a diet is vibrant. After becoming a certified health and nutrition coach, I finally dropped the diets, learned to trust my body again, and rediscovered the vibrancy that was within me all along. And now I help women like you do the same. Vibrancy Radio is your new go-to resource for science-backed nutritional knowledge, major mindset shifts, and body image breakthroughs. So if you're ready to stop feeling so dang stressed about food all the time and start focusing on all the things that make you unique and vibrant, then welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Vibrancy Radio. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't already, then go back and listen to The Connection Between ADHD and Overeating, part one. And today, we're just going to pick up right where we left off with part two. Okay, so you've already listened to part one, and we talked all about the reasons why ADHD can be connected with overeating and why we see higher instances of overeating in ADHD individuals. So we're not even going to do a thing I'm loving this week. We're going to dive straight in because I know this episode is going to have what you actually really want, and that is the solutions to that problem, right? It's like, okay, all right, Chelsea, we know why. Now tell us how to fix it, right? (laughs) So... In the last episode, I totally said that I was going to constrain down to just three solutions, but spoiler alert, I couldn't do that. (laughs) I had to throw a fourth one in there because I just could not cut any of these. To me, they are all so, so, so important. So today I'm going to be sharing with you these four solutions. And when I say solutions, I just want to clarify, these are not the end all be all, right? It's it, These are some ideas for you to try, some things for you to consider, and just some things to kind of get the juices flowing of maybe the direction you want to move in. But this isn't like, this isn't something that you're going to, you're going to leave this podcast and try all four of these things and it's going to be solved overnight. It is near impossible for a lifelong issue. For many of us, this is a lifelong issue and struggle. It's near impossible for that to be solved overnight, right? You have to think about how long you've been struggling with something. And a lot of the time, if you've been struggling with something for a really long time, it's going to take a long time to solve it. And and that is just understanding human existence and the creation and the breaking of habits and how that works. I also want to clarify just one more time that I want you to remember that I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and I am just learning about this neurodevelopmental difference in my brain. And if you're listening and you have ADHD and your brain, so I'm not claiming to be an expert on the topic of ADHD by any means, but I I do know a lot about eating and overeating as I am a health and nutrition coach. So I'm just trying to merge these two worlds and share information that I already know about 
overeating and nutrition and what typically causes overeating. And then what I've learned as I'm learning about ADHD and finding those connections and also have been researching the connection between the two. So I'm just going to share some solutions that I have found that work for me, work for my clients, and also that I have found some research that that suggests that for people with an ADHD brain could be helpful. So I'm not an expert on ADHD. I'm also not a doctor. And obviously this is not a replacement for individualized care and expertise from your doctor. So I just wanted to say that before I even dove in, right? So like I said, it was difficult to even stick with four solutions. So, and I have a lot to say on this topic. This is quite literally probably my area of expertise, not ADHD, but overeating. It's something I've dedicated so many hours of research into understanding and finding solutions for because it's something that I struggled with for a really long time. And therefore, I attracted clients that wanted to learn how to solve this problem as well. So it's interesting. I think everyone with ADHD, we get these hyper-focuses, these lifelong hyper-focuses that we're just obsessed with. And learning about this was one of mine. And that's why I feel like I do have things to share on this topic. Uh, And it's fun to share with you what I've been researching and what I've been learning about for a really long time. So if a lot of you are struggling with this, I just want you to know, stay tuned because this episode is not the end of talking about this topic. There will be lots more conversations about eating and ADHD. And as I learn more about the connections and learn more about solutions that work specifically for people with ADHD, I will be sharing so much on this topic. Uh, And also, if you're interested, you can totally go back and listen to some of the older episodes of Vibrancy Radio. Although they aren't specifically for ADHD, because... I didn't know that I had it back then. (laughs) They still can be really helpful to you because they're strategies that worked for me and my clients, even though I didn't know that I had ADHD. Also, fun fact, after I have learned this diagnosis, I, I knew of, let me think, I think I knew of three clients that I had that had ADHD that I knew for certain they had been diagnosed. We talked about it on calls. It was discussed in coaching scenarios. After I have announced that I was diagnosed with ADHD, I can't tell you how many other clients came forward and said, oh, well, yeah, I have ADHD too, or said that they thought they had it. I just found that so interesting. I've been learning. I feel like people with ADHD are almost like magnetically attracted to other people who have it, regardless of whether or not they know they have it. I don't know. There's just like something a little bit different about somebody with ADHD. And and I don't know how to explain it. Like I want to say more enthusiasm or more excitement. I don't know what it is. There's just something. And I've noticed that I am drawn to a lot of people with ADHD and vice versa. Anyways, that is a tangent, but let's dive into the solutions. And again, these are solutions to try. Instead of thinking of these are things you have to do, I want you to think of these as experiments, things that you can try and consider. And if you've not considered them before, you might try and put them in action and they might make a difference for you. So solution number one is to eat enough and eat often enough. I put this one number one for a reason because this one is huge, okay? So not only does 
ADHD in general affect eating, right? It makes it a lot harder for us to stay present enough to notice our hunger and fullness signals and notice our bodily signals, right? Because we have so much going on in our brain. That makes it hard for rec- to recognize our bodily signals. Number two, medication makes it really hard to recognize our bodily signals because a lot of stimulant medication does have the effect of an appetite suppressant. So that can be a factor in not eating enough and not eating often enough. And number three under this subcategory of eating enough and often enough is the idea of the fact that what I've been talking about essentially this whole podcast before I started narrowing down to ADHD is the fact that diet culture encourages us to obviously eat less and less and less, right? And so for a lot of people, we might be trying to eat less and not consciously understand that this is actually backfiring and causing overeating. There's lots of reasons that we might have trouble eating enough and eating often enough. Uh, Another thing is too, like we talked about in the last episode, we might be confused if we're actually hungry or just seeking dopamine, right? So it's good to understand that if you do have ADHD, it might be more difficult for you to eat enough and eat often enough. So one thing I want to explain to you is that appetite is like a rubber band. So I want you to imagine you have a rubber band in your hands, okay? And Visually, actually do this with me. Hold up your hands like you're holding a rubber band. Now, if you pull it back just a little bit, right? Pull it back just a little bit, a couple inches, it's going to spring forward, right? But how far is it going to spring forward? It's probably just going to spring forward a little bit, right? Now, what happens if you take that rubber band and you pull it back really, really, really far, like as far as you can to where it's about to break, but it hasn't broke yet, right? Like maybe seven or eight or nine or 10 inches. It springs across the room, right? Like it'll fly across the room. Are you imagining this with me? Are you doing it with me? Because I'm physically doing this as I'm talking to you. (laughs) So your appetite is just like this, a rubber band. So if you just pull your appetite back a little bit, meaning you wait like a reasonable amount of time when you're feeling physical hunger, you wait a reasonable amount of time to eat, then you will just in the other direction, just go a little bit, right? So meaning that you'll eat enough to feel satisfied, but you won't feel this intense urge to overeat. Now, on the other hand, if you pull the rubber band of your appetite back way far and you wait a really long time to eat or you wait until your body's absolutely screaming at you for food or you try and hold off for as long as possible or you just got distracted and you forgot to eat or whatnot and all of a sudden it feels like an emergency to eat, then what your body is going to naturally do is to force you into the other end, right? You're going to want to, as soon as you get food, you're going to feel kind of frenzied and crazed and you're going to be eating as much as you can. And you're going to kind of like, you know, you're going to overdo it. You're going to end up overeating. And this is a concept that is true for everyone because that's part of the physiology of the human body, right? Your body doesn't understand the difference between you accidentally not waiting or waiting too long to eat versus you being in an actual food scarcity, right? It benefits our survival if we haven't had food for a really long time and our body thinks that we're going to starvation mode and there's food scarcity. It's like, okay, when we have the opportunity to eat, we need to eat it 
all, right? Does this make sense? So that happens for everybody, yes. But with these added barriers for when we have ADHD, it makes it even harder to control this or to remember to eat soon enough to not have this effect of just completely overeating, which is why my first suggestion is to eat enough and eat often enough. So how often is often enough, right? And how can you kind of combat this this over this type of overeating that might be resulting from waiting too long to eat, right? Well, first of all, you know, with medication being an appetite suppressant, it's hard to rely on what I used to help clients do, and that is to honor hunger and fullness, right? The story is a little bit different if you are on a medication that has natural appetite suppressants, right? We don't want to wait until your stomach growls or you feel physical signs of hunger if you know that your medicine is going to make it so that those never come, right? So this means that you have to get a little bit more scheduled with it and you have to pay attention to it a little bit more, right? So a good rule of thumb is to aim to eat every three to four hours. So if you need to, you can set alarms, right? You can set an alarm for your normal eating times. So maybe you set an alarm for 9 a.m. and then again at noon and then again at three and then again at seven, just so that you have a reminder to eat and be like, oh yeah, it's time to eat. Every three to four hours is a pretty good span of time so that you are your blood sugar isn't dropping super intensely. And this is interesting because this is actually the opposite of what I've talked about previously. Previously, I have talked about following your hunger and letting your body decide what your eating pattern is. But I'm realizing that if I'm speaking specifically to people with ADHD and people that are possibly taking a stimulant medication, then that narrative does have to change a little bit, right? Because we do need to pay more attention to this. Now, I know that this feels a little bit counterintuitive, right? You're like, well, we're talking about overeating and my problem is eating too much. And now you're telling me that I'm not eating too much, right? And it sounds counterintuitive. And I was always so confused by this concept because I thought if I gave myself a bunch of food during the day that, and this is back in my kind of disordered eating days, right? So this isn't what I think Currently, I want to state that first, but I used to think back in the day, I would always end up overeating at night. And so I thought that if I was eating enough during the day and eating a normal amount during the day, that I would just still end up overeating at night. And then I was eating like twice the calories and I got scared of what that would, what would happen if I did that. Right. So if you're in that place, I understand that mental struggle and that mental battle that you're in because I have been there and I have felt that and thought those exact thoughts. But let me just share with you, if that's what you're thinking, I just want to share with you my personal experience with this. Okay. Because I finally did decide, even though I was afraid, I decided that I was going to consciously give myself more calories throughout the day. And again, I was terrified because I thought that I was just going to be consuming all these other calories because I couldn't control my overeating. But what happened in reality was as I gave myself more balanced meals and more calories, right? So going from just eating like a yogurt cup for breakfast to eating a full breakfast with eggs and toast and a yogurt cup and a little bit of peanut butter or regular butter on my toast, eating filling meals throughout the day at night, the desire to overeat 
the desire to stand at the pantry and just shovel food in was completely gone. I did not have the desire. And that is only when this, when that happened is finally when it clicked in my brain that I was like, oh my gosh, the reason I'm overeating is because I'm not eating enough throughout the day. That is it, right? And I know it sounds, you're like, well, some of you might be like, well, of course that makes complete sense. But at the time in my, this was probably, I was probably 25 when I discovered this, right? I I don't know. I'm so bad at times and years and how long things have been. So that could be completely off. So sorry if it is, but let's just say I was 25. When I discovered that I was just like mind blown and it finally actually made sense. And I realized that I wasn't overeating and eating you know, so much at the end of the night purely because I didn't have willpower or that's just the way I was or that's just the way I ate. Part of it was because I wasn't eating enough. So I share my experience with that because I know some of you might be listening to this and thinking, well, I can't do that. This won't work for me. But that's what I thought too. And this was so helpful. So if you're eating enough food and you're eating often enough, your body is less likely to be screaming at you for calories in the form of physical hunger, intense cravings, and even fatigue, right? And side note, if you're eating enough food and drinking enough water throughout the day, if you are on medication, this will help your medication work better. So there's lots of benefits to fueling your body. Okay, solution two, let's move on. Solution two is to plan ahead. So if you are struggling with overeating, try planning ahead. And I know some of you, you're like, listen, I have ADHD. Planning ahead is the hardest thing for me. And I completely understand that. I know it's a struggle. So don't lose me yet because don't turn off the podcast yet because I want to explain to you how you can do this in a simple way and a way that will work for you and your ADHD brain. Again, uh, it's a possibility. I'll, you know, you have to try it on your own and see if this strategy works. We're all so individual, but planning ahead, even though we're resistant to it, is super important if you have ADHD. Because we talked about in the last podcast, part one, that we struggle. Well, we struggle with, I would say we struggle with, I don't even want to use that word. We have more impulsivity than other people, right? Because we have lower activity in our prefrontal cortex, which is that part of our brain that makes decisions for the future. So that means that we are making a lot of decisions in the moment, what sounds good right now, not really thinking about the future. And I say I don't want to say this is a struggle because although it does create struggles, it also can be really great, right? This means that we're more spontaneous than other people. We are creative, right? Because we make split-second decisions to follow a creative whim and it can end up being really awesome, right? So I I don't want to – I'm trying to work on in my own self – reframing things to a little bit more of a positive light when it comes to ADHD. Because I do truly believe there are a lot of gifts to ADHD if you're looking for them. So so we have a lot more impulsivity than other people. And instead of trying to will away your impulsivity, right, or just using more willpower, because I hate to break it to you, but most likely that's just not going to happen, especially in the long term. I want you to try working with your impulsivity or planning for your impulsivity and understanding that you're going to be impulsive and therefore creating an environment that making impulsive choices, the easiest choice and the most 
the choice that you're more likely to choose when you're being impulsive is still one that's balanced and healthy, okay? So if you're impulsive, if you're impulsive, think about planning ahead and having some options available that are quick, easy, and enjoyable. Enjoyable is pretty key here because we all know, and we've all done this before, right? We meal prep something that like we know is super healthy. And like we heard this weight loss guru said that this is what she eats for a snack or this is what she eats for a meal. So we prep it and we expect our future selves to be excited about that food. Let's say it's like hard boiled egg and celery, but you don't really love hard boiled eggs. You're like, ugh, they're okay. And you really don't like celery. I just choose those two things because honestly, those two things don't sound exciting to me at all. They might be exciting to you, but for me, they're not. So it's this, you, you get what I'm saying. Anyways, if you don't really like either of those things, when the time comes to eat them, you're not actually going to eat them. Instead, you're going to dig in the pantry and find something you do want to eat. And sometimes you think, keeping the junk out of your house will help. But in that case, most of the time, what do we end up doing? We find the jar of peanut butter and we're scooping peanut butter out. We're grabbing a handful of chocolate chips, baking chocolate chips, right? I saw a meme about that recently and it was so relatable. It was like when you get all the junk out of the house, but then you find yourself holding a handful of unsweetened chocolate chips, you know? So it's not about not having it in the house. It's about the fact that that's what's going to happen if you try to Get, you know, create snacks and food meals ahead of time that you don't really enjoy. So, okay, that was a little tangent, totally got off topic. But planning ahead can look like being keeping it super simple. So maybe just have one meal and one snack ahead of time, made ahead of time, or something that's super easy to assemble so that you literally just can grab and eat it or heat it up and eat it or assemble and eat it. So this way, if you're being impulsive, you're actually getting, you know, valuable nutrition as well, and you're eating something that you feel good about, and that's going to fuel your body. So depending on your preferences, some easy options that you could have, let's talk about a couple snack snack options. You could have an apple with Greek yogurt and mix in a little bit of peanut butter on top, or you could have some pre-cut up veggies and eat those with hummus or mini guacamole cups and even add, you could add crackers to that if you want some carbs too. You could have beef jerky, you know, just buy bags of beef jerky or protein bars for quick snack options. So all of those options have some form of protein. Well, the veggies and hummus and guac cups don't have protein, but you could have beef jerky to the side of those to have protein. But we're wanting to get something that's a little bit more sustainable than just carbohydrates, which is the classic snacks, right? Because they'll they'll last you a little bit longer, right? In your stomach, they'll kind of hold you over for a little bit longer. So those are some quick snack options that you can have. And for meal options, I personally love just a super simple sandwich, like just having the the sandwich fixings ready to go, right? And then a couple veggies or fruit already pre-cut up. And that way I could just grab a handful of veggies or fruit and eat it with a sandwich, right? So easy. And in those moments of executive dysfunction, when you have this food ready to go and you have the desire to completely overeat or like just grab something, right? This or, you know, what this is doing is actually making it easier for you to execute 
number one. So eating enough and eating often enough by planning ahead, you will be able to do that better. So those two kind of go hand in hand. And something I also meant to mention in solution number one, which is eating enough and eating often enough, was that they're like, what are you going to be eating, right? Some people are, you're probably thinking, well, what should I eat? And I used to give out a meal formula, and I still do share it with my clients, a meal formula for optimal satisfaction. But for the purpose of this podcast, I don't want this to be overwhelming. So for now, I don't want you to even worry about what is the perfect formula for fat loss? What is the perfect formula of a meal? If you're struggling with just eating enough and eating often enough and planning ahead, don't worry about that yet because that's going to be too overwhelming and you won't even be able to get started if you're stressing about that, right? So all I'm going to say for now is If you can, try to include multiple categories of food. So what do I mean by that? Try and include some carbohydrates, some proteins, some fats, and some produce if you can, so fruits and vegetables. And if you can't include all those things, it's okay. Just get a few of them, right? And if you do eat a meal that's just carbohydrates, that's also okay, okay? It is not, right now we're not gonna focus on the perfect formula for a meal because the ADHD brain easily gets overwhelmed. And that's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to simplify this so that you can start focusing on eating enough, eating often enough, and planning ahead so that you have options that are quick and easy so that you can eat enough and eat often enough. Okay, so this can be so, so helpful. So the first two, just to repeat those or recap those, are to eat enough and eat often enough and plan ahead and maybe even prep ahead some of those things. Just two things, one meal and one snack, so that you have the ability to eat enough and eat often enough, right? This will help overeating. And I know, again, you're probably like, this doesn't make any sense so far. This is all about eating more. But I promise you, eating more can be a huge key in helping prevent overeating later. And number three is catered for those moments. So solution number three is catered for those moments that you actually don't need food, right? These are actually those moments that you are having a trigger or an impulse to overeat and you know that you don't need food. But before I even give you this one, I want to say and remind you, if you have not eaten in three to four hours or four hours or longer, if you have not eaten in a long time, then don't do this one. This one's not for you. This is if if you have, it's been a really long time since you've eaten and you know that you probably actually need food, eat food, please, I beg of you, okay? But if you have just eaten, let's say, or you know that you're not, you know, physically hungry, you already ate dinner an hour ago and you are standing at the pantry and it's just kind of that habit of overeating, then this one will be helpful for you. I wanted to make that very clear because... This one has nothing to do with actually eating, so I don't want you to restrict yourself from calories or food if that's what you need in the moment. Okay, so solution number three is called a dopamine menu, and this is not an original idea of mine. I heard of this idea on the YouTube channel, How to ADHD. 
So the YouTube channel, How To ADHD, talked about creating a dopamine menu. And I found this valuable in so many different ways. So I talked about this on the episode about how to get out of a funk. So this has helped me in that kind of moment and also in the moments that you have the impulse to overeat. So what is a dopamine menu? You are going to get a piece of paper out and write a list of all the things that personally give you a hit of dopamine. So this is this can be so many things. And listen, my list is going to sound so different from your list because the things that I really enjoy doing are going to be different from the things that you really enjoy doing. So for example, some of mine are organizing something. I know it sounds weird, but I really enjoy organizing. It's so fun to me. Driving with my windows down, with music blasting, or just playing loud music and dancing. Like listening to music is my number one dopamine increasing activity. It's just, it works so well for me. So listening to my favorite songs, dancing, listening to loud music. A couple others are putting together and or wearing fun outfits, like picking out outfits that are kind of fun and creative and express my personality, going for a walk outside. That's a really big one for me. Walking around what I call dig stores. So like stores that you kind of have to dig and search through. They're like a treasure hunt for me. And they are like my favorite thing to do. So like TJ Maxx or Goodwill, those kind of places. Oh, so much fun. Give me so much dopamine. So your dopamine menu, you'll write down as many things as you can think of. And of course, you can add to this at any time. But you write down all these things that give you personally a hit of dopamine. So why does this matter? And how does this help? Remember, when we talked about in episode one, our brains are constantly seeking dopamine. If you have ADHD, you have a dopamine-deprived brain. And a lot of times, our brains are, when we we learn and create the habit of overeating, it might be because we've learned that that's one way that our brain can get dopamine. Our brains are really, really smart, and they know how to get what they need, right? Food is a great way to get dopamine. But sometimes that could be hurting us in the form of creating overeating, right? And and eating when we're not hungry and just constantly seeking food or wanting food for stimulation, right? So in a moment when you're wanting food for stimulation and you are cognizant that it is for stimulation, you're wanting it just because you're bored, just because you're, you know, wanting a little bit of a dopamine hit. And again, be careful because I want you to make sure that it's actually just for a dopamine hit. And it, if it is, you know, that you actually need food, please eat and don't use this strategy. Use one of the first two. But if it actually is your brain asking for dopamine, instead of going to the pantry, I want you to try and look at that menu and pick something that you have time for and do that first. So I'm not saying that you don't eat, right? I'm not saying, I'm saying you can totally eat after you do this thing, right? But just try it and see if the desire to eat is any less. You might find that it makes a big difference and that you don't even want the food anymore, right? So what can this look like in practice? You're sitting at your desk at work and you're like, oh, I could totally use a snack, right? I I want a snack. I want something. M&Ms sound good. I know they have them in the vending machine. Instead of going to the vending machine right away, you're going to say, let me try something from my dopamine menu first. So you look at your dopamine menu and you pick the thing that obviously you have time for and you can do in the moment, but also 
that sounds the most appealing to you. So, right? So maybe yours is to doodle in a journal while listening to music. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do this first. And you go ahead and you doodle in the journal, you listen to your music, you do your thing, right? If afterwards you still want to eat, go ahead, go eat. That's totally fine, right? But the point is getting in the habit of doing something else first because your brain's automatic habit might be, I need dopamine, I want food, I go get food and eat it, right? In order to rewire this automatic pattern, we've got to start interrupting it and changing it, right? So this is something that can help you over time change that pattern of automatically always going to food when you're seeking dopamine right away, and that being your first and only solution. Now, in order for this to work, you're going to need reminders because remember, we our memories are not known for being the best, right? So put a reminder somewhere, somewhere that you tend to do those dopamine-seeking eating behaviors. So maybe it's getting in your car after work and you always drive through a drive-through, right? Put a sticky note on your steering wheel that says dopamine menu, or maybe it's It's when you get home and you go straight to the pantry or the fridge, put a sticky note on the pantry and the fridge and says dopamine menu, right? (laughs) Or maybe it's just all the time and you don't know where it's going to be. Put a note on your phone or a reminder that pops up at a time that this happens often. So I've talked about a lot in previous episodes that I used to go to the candy bucket in my classroom at 2 p.m. every single day almost on the dot. And now I recognize that this was a dopamine-seeking behavior, that I was stressed out at that time and I wanted some dopamine and I was looking for stimulation. So I would do that at 2 p.m. So if that were the case and I knew what I know now, I would put a note on my phone at 2 p.m. to do something that gives me a little hit of dopamine. Side note, this can be anything. It doesn't just have to be healthy behaviors. So this could even be scrolling TikTok for a few minutes, right? And I understand that might not be what you want to do. You might feel like you're replacing one negative behavior with another. So if you know, you do you, it's up to you what you want to put on your dopamine menu, right? So I'm just saying it can help to put something like scrolling TikTok or something like that. So at this point in my life, my, I can't even believe I forgot to mention this one. Taking baths gives me so much dopamine. Oh my gosh, I freaking love it. So Also, I I look at TikTok in the bath, so that's probably also a reason, but that's my new go-to. Instead of craving food in moments that I want stimulation, I have found that slowly over time, I have taught myself to crave a bath and TikTok. Again, don't know if that's the most productive thing, but it is. it has helped me a lot. (laughs) But if I want stimulation, I'm always like, man, I really want to take a bath and just look at social media. (laughs) Kind of funny, but... It has been helpful for me, so it's something to try. So that was solution number three, a dopamine menu, something to try if you struggle with overeating. And number four, our final solution is to seek out whatever treatment for ADHD that you want to. So getting proper treatment for your ADHD is a better way to say that. Now, I would be amiss without mentioning treatment here, right? Because I considered not putting this in here, and I was like, oh, well, this is fairly obvious, but it's actually not, right? A lot of us think that we can we can do this on our own, right? And that's because a lot of these traits that are associated with ADHD, we have learned 
through our cultural conditioning that these are moral failings and that we just need to try harder, right? If you're eating too much, you just need to try harder and use more willpower not to eat as much. We've heard that before, right? And if ADHD is the root of this problem and it's actually a brain chemistry, a difference in your brain chemistry, then seeking out treatment is a crucial, crucial piece in solving this problem. So that this can look like so many different things. This can be therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. This can be seeking out coaching from, from coaches that specifically work with clients with ADHD. This can look like medication, right? So therapy, coaching, medication. This could also be holistic supplements. However you are choosing to treat your ADHD, making sure that you are treating your ADHD in whichever way that you have chosen. And I have mentioned to you before, I am treating my ADHD with medication and therapy. And hopefully in the future, I want to hire a coach, which is super exciting. But right now I'm going the route of medication and therapy. Now I considered not putting this in here purely because of my own ego, I guess, or maybe fears, because I can hear it now. I can hear the stigma and the, the, the shaming, the medication shaming that comes now, right? So this is an episode all about overeating. And as I mentioned before, ADHD medications have appetite suppressing qualities to them. So I can hear people saying, oh, well, of course people lose weight or stop overeating on their ADHD medication. It makes you not eat, right? And I want to address this up front, first and foremost, right? This is a stigma of medication that needs to be broken because yes, ADHD medication is abused. It is a stimulant and it does affect appetite. And for some people, some people do abuse this medication in a way that they take it to lose weight. Or I've heard people talking about on other podcasts, you know, like the Skinny Confidential frequently talks about how women in LA take Adderall to stay skinny. And they say that's their secret to staying skinny. (sighs) Breathe, Chelsea, because this infuriates me, right? I can't even express how much this infuriates me because this is part of the reason that it's creating stigma, right? This furthers the stigma and the shame for people who actually do need these medications for treatment or that these medications will help their their ADHD. They don't want to take these because of that stigma, right? Or if they do stop overeating when they start medication, they might feel bad about that because they think they're quote unquote cheating, right? They're cheating the system. I don't look at it that way, right? I think for those people that it is prescribed to in therapeutic and appropriate doses, medication can quite literally be a game changer for overeating, not because it makes you eat smaller portions, but because it regulates our dopamine levels in our brain. So I wanna share with you my experience, and I have been on medication for about a month now. So I'm going through this with you. I'm learning with you. I'm sharing with you my experience so that if you are, you know, wherever you are in your, in your journey, your experience with ADHD, whether you've been diagnosed or you haven't yet, if you struggle with ADHD and overeating, I want to share with you what I've gone through so that you can understand it a little bit better. So when I started my medication, and again, I'm on a really, really low dose of a stimulant medication. And I'll say this again, because I've said it in previous episodes, I have had 
no negative side effects thus far. And that includes suppressed appetite because I consider a suppressed appetite uh, a negative side effect because I know enough now to know that I don't want to go back to when I was telling you what I used to do where I wouldn't eat all, I would try to eat as little as possible all day and then I would completely overeat at night. I was scared of that happening when I started medication. I don't want anything that's going to make me eat less, right? Or, Or like starve myself. So my experience has been, I would say the first day or two, I experienced lessened appetite, right? Like I probably didn't feel physical hunger until about like 2 p.m. But I knew this would happen. And being a nutrition coach and knowing what I know about appetite and the body and, and you know, how to fuel myself properly, I ate anyways, right? I ate at my normal breakfast time. I ate at my normal lunch time even if I wasn't physically hungry. And it wasn't difficult for me to eat. I've heard some people say they're like disgusted by food on their medication. That wasn't my personal experience. So I ate anyways. But after that, right, after the first couple days, my appetite has been pretty regular. I still get hungry at my regular breakfast time. I still eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and a snack if I'm hungry, right? So that's my, that was my, pretty much my schedule before I started before I started medication, that has stayed the same, right? So I still eat the same amounts of food for my regular scheduling. One thing that has changed a lot is cravings and instances of overeating and or eating when I'm not hungry, okay? So I was shocked by this and I didn't expect this. And I actually didn't even realize how many times a day I was struggling with sugar cravings or the desire to eat way past fullness or the desire to eat just out of stimulation seeking, right? Because I have improved this a lot. And I actually do know a lot of strategies for managing cravings, right? So I use those all the time on a daily basis. I was using strategies to combat overeating and to combat cravings and whatnot and to move through cravings without always honoring them. But it was always still a struggle and it was still really hard almost all the time, right? It got better over time and I had made improvements, but it was still really hard. I was still getting daily cravings for sugar and alcohol and all those things. When I started taking medication, I noticed that those kind of regulated out, right? So I was still, I'm still eating a sweet treat after dinner or if I want a sweet treat throughout the day, but it's different. I don't just like feel the aching desire for them like I used to. And I think this is because medication has helped regulate the dopamine levels in my brain. And what that the result of that is that I don't seek dopamine in the ways that I would seek dopamine. And one of those ways that I used to do that was via sugar or food, right? So that has been so interesting to me. And it was honestly a result of medication that I was not expecting at all. I was expecting more focus at work and being able to sit down and do some work. I wasn't expecting it to change anything in terms of my eating habits. But this was a big aha moment for me of realizing that a lot of the cravings and the desires for food that I was having were actually just the result of a dopamine imbalance, right? And not enough dopamine in my brain. And I feel like this is important to understand because if you do struggle with a lot of cravings and you do struggle to, I don't want to say control your eating, but manage your eating in a way that you feel like you should be able to, 
it's not all you and it could be easier for you, right? And I do think that other people don't, I won't say everybody, but a lot of other people have, it's easier for them because they have regular amounts of dopamine in their brain. So all that to say, I just, you know, I've learned a lot about ADHD and the connection between overeating and ADHD. And I didn't expect that treatment would help this much in this particular area, but in my experience, it has. So I also want to mention, as I'm talking about treatment and medication, that I am pretty much as big of a hippie as they come when it comes to medication, right? Like I've always been skeptical of big pharma. I have mentioned in other episodes that I haven't really gone to the doctor a whole lot because I heal things holistically and I only go to the doctor as like a last resort. That's how I've always been. But I am really, really glad that I was willing to be flexible enough to change my mindset and try this form of treatment because it has made a massive, massive net positive effect in my life. Meaning that like, I really, like I said, I haven't even had any negative side effects, but all the effects of the medication in my life thus far have been positive. So if you need help, and you are resisting medication because you feel like you should be able to do this on your own, I just want to mention again, which I've said this in other episodes, but the stigma around medication is not meant for you. It's meant for the people that are using this medication that don't need it, right? If you need help, please don't let, I just don't want the stigma around medication to stop you from getting the treatment you need and deserve if it's available to you, right? If you have ADHD, then medication and whatever form of treatment you pursue can give you the support that you need to function like neurotypical people do naturally. And this is in so many ways, but of course, in this in this episode, we're talking specifically about overeating. And if this is something that's stemming from your ADHD, then treatment is an important part of the solution. And of course... Again, I'll say it again. If you choose not to treat with medication for other reasons, I fully support that. And that's your decision to make, right? I just, this message is really for those that might be avoiding medication because of the shame and stigma and the idea that you should be able to function without it, right? We never want to should on ourselves. We should not have to do anything. It's our life. We get to choose. There's not a roadmap written out for us. We get to decide what that looks like. So you deserve to be supported. Okay, to round out this episode and wrap up, let's recap the four solutions to overeating with ADHD. Again, these aren't the end-all be-all. These are just four things to try or to consider if you haven't considered them before, to try putting them them in rotation and see if they make a difference. But of course, in addition to these, also seek out proper treatment, whether that's from a doctor or a dietitian or a nutrition coach or whoever you seek treatment and help and support from a professional do that as well. But four solutions are number one, eat often enough and eat enough food. 
Number two, plan and prepare ahead of time so that you are able to eat enough and eat often enough, right? And make sure that they're foods you really enjoy so that you can work with your impulsivity instead of working against it all the time. Number three, create a dopamine menu and start trying to do those things instead of eating for stimulation, right? So you try those things first. And number four, seek proper treatment for your ADHD, whatever that looks like for you. So I encourage you to get a piece of paper or write this in your planner, choose one of these, whichever one sounds the most appealing to you, and maybe start working towards that one today, right? And I hope that this this podcast supported your journey and was helpful to you because these are things that have taken me years to realize and Each one of these has been a really important, crucial piece in my journey. So I love having the opportunity and having the platform to share this with you guys. It is so cool that nowadays we can all learn from each other and the internet and podcasts and phones are just so freaking cool. And I'm so thankful for them. And I'm thankful for you. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy, then go ahead and subscribe to the podcast because new episodes come out every Monday. And I will talk to you next time on Vibrancy Radio. Bye.